All right. Hey out there. It's Wednesday night, 730. Uh, that means it is the 573 report. I'm Gabe DeArmond. That's Mitchell Forty on the other side of your screen. I, we heard maybe there's going to be a football game this weekend. So <laughs> we thought we would uh, we would talk about that a little bit. Uh, welcome into those of you who have gotten here on time. Uh, I'll welcome the rest of you later. Uh, but if you're here, feel free to, you know, comment, uh, ask questions, whatever you want to do. We'll certainly get to those throughout the uh, throughout the show. And we've actually already got one, which is very important. Uh, Bo wants to know if there's any r- truth to the rumors that I am entering the transfer portal. Uh, there's not. But did you see Dom Jacinto entering or was that kind of a surprise? Uh, we'll start there. Um, because that's really the news of the day um, is that, well, other than the fact that there might actually be football for the third time. (laughs) But uh, Dominic Jacinto, wide receiver from Raytown, uh, entered his name in the transfer portal today. I guess, uh, Mitch, you were on the SEC teleconference. I guess Eli Drinkwood said he just kind of found out about it last night after practice. Yeah, it was, you know, a pretty standard quote. I mean, I, I think it read to some people like uh, like a little more jarring than it meant to. It was he basically said, yeah, you know, talked to Dom last night and, and he decided like, you know, this wasn't the right culture fit for him and wanted to find a better fit. And, you know, it's just your generic answer. Anytime uh, as a coach, you're, I think you're asked about a transfer. And, and you know, like you said uh, on the message board today, for those who didn't see it, you know, these things happen when you bring in a new coach. Now, is it is is it ideal when you are you know this close to scholarship situations? Maybe not, but I don't think Dom Jacinto is going to be the difference between playing and not playing. You know, if it gets right. down to it and they have fifty two and he's gone, I think they would choose to play it, so, because Dom Jacinto um, wasn't going to play on Saturday. It, it, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's really you know it it becomes more of a big deal when the players who are transferring are are the ones like you know like at Mississippi State, Kylan Hill is a, you know an all conference SEC's leading rusher and he leaves that's more notable than than you know when you're talking about backup receivers backup quarterbacks stuff like that yeah no offense to Dominic Jacinto but was a good kid every time I talked to him hopefully he goes and finds a place that he can play football um it wasn't probably going to be here because uh truth is he he had a little trouble hanging on to the ball I think probably got in the doghouse a little bit for one particular drop against Tennessee he was unavailable for at least one other game this year, and hey, things happen. Um, you know, we he had been passed by some by some guys, and and he'll move on and find another place to play ball, and and that's okay uh, for everybody. So, again, this is the five seven three report. We are brought to you guys by five seven three tees. Make sure to check them out on the internet, five seven three t e e s dot com. Honestly, if you have trouble spelling tees, I. I kind of feel bad for you, but maybe there's somebody out there who didn't know. So TEES.com. Uh, check them out. If you go through the link on our site on the show on powermazoo.com, you can get a 10% discount. So please do that. Um, I have a Chiefs t-shirt, a Shakespeare's t-shirt, a Columbia, Missouri hoodie, which has been appropriated by my wife, uh, which I did get to wear once. It was very comfortable. I enjoyed it. So uh, you guys check that out. Look, the holidays are coming up. Uh, they've got all kinds of stuff for the sports fan or for the Columbia native or whatever. So go check them out um, and hit like, hit subscribe, all that. Ask us your questions. We're just going to start here. I We think Missouri's playing. There's no guarantee. Um, they get tests 
again tomorrow, which is Thursday. They will get the results of those sometime based on what Eli Drinkwitz has told us between 126 and 634 in the morning on Friday morning. Uh, those are the two <laughs> times I remember that he has told us he found out. Um, it, but I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, Mitch. But my impression in listening to Drinkwitz talk on Tuesday was we're going to play this game. And if that means we have to say Kobe Whiteside is playing when we know he's not playing or Xavier Delgado is playing when he's probably not playing or that Boo Smith is a scholarship player when he's not really a scholarship player or that we have to play this game with 49 scholarship players, that's fine. But we intend to play the game. I I mean, that's the impression, I I I guess. I think you're probably right. Um, no, I th- I do think it's contingent upon, you know, this last round of COVID testing. Um, I-, I could see a scenario in which, you know, you've got one or two positives and that puts six to 10 guys in contact tracing where they're just like, yeah, okay, we can't do it now. Or if it's, you know, the wrong guys, if, if it dips under 53 and the guys who go into contact tracing are guys who aren't really playing, that's a different story than if you got, you know, Case Cook and Michael Mayetti in contact tracing when you already have two starting linemen out. So, you know, I, I, but yes, my impression is, um, you know, they, they're going to be right around that 53 number, probably a little under it when, once you factor in injuries, but Missouri wants to play and is doing everything it can to play. And, and yeah, barring, uh, you know, a couple more, you know, contact, con- uh, sorry, a few more contact traced players, I think they will play. Because the impression I got, and look, I'm putting words in people's mouths and making things up at this point. I'm not making them up, but I am garnering impressions that people didn't actually say. But I listened to Greg Sankey on the SEC teleconference last week talk about the contact tracing and about how we didn't put these rules in place. We're just following them. I have talked to enough people. I think people are sick of this. I think they think the rules are too restrictive and it's bothering them, but there's really nothing they can do. I actually talked to one person. I said, tell me if I'm wrong here. My impression is that in order to play football in a situation where you are taking advantage of unpaid labor to put millions of dollars in the bank account. You had to make some concessions and say, yes, we'll abide by these rules in order to do that. And now those rules, like we knew from day one, they were kind of ridiculous and over restrictive, but they are what they are and you have to follow them. And that's what all these teams have done. And now it's put them at a point where the sec literally has nowhere to put a game. If Missouri and South Carolina don't play this weekend, then Missouri and South Carolina just aren't playing. I mean, I haven't seen an official announcement that the SEC has rearranged the schedule, but I'm pretty sure they're going to switch games to make LSU and Alabama play at some point, which means there may be another game that gets sacrificed. I mean, we're at the point where we got to understand not everybody's going to have 10 games at the end of the year probably. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they didn't make the, uh, you know, the exact announcement that LSU Alabama is going to be played. But last week basically announced, you know, all matchups after this coming weekend are subject to, you know, review and will be finalized the Monday beforehand, basically saying we're going to rearrange things. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, we said right when the protocols came out, like, oh, man, 14 days for a close contact, you can't test out. That's going to be a problem. Um, And you know, I think if there's one thing that these schools would like to change about the protocols, it is that, you know, going to something like the NFL, where if you have five negative tests or if you're, you know, quarantined for seven to 10 days, you can get out, which means, you know, because a lot of what the, one of the issues we've seen is if you have an outbreak, your team is 
out for two weeks, basically. It's what, what happened with Vanderbilt, what happened with Florida, what's happening now with Texas A&M. So, yeah, I mean, um, you know, it, yeah, it's the, the protocols are an issue. They're really they're pretty restrictive. And, and I don't think I mean, you can't change them at this point in the season, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we signed up for. This is what, you know, it's not ideal, but, but kind of what I thought, you know, we all thought was best case scenario was, you know, you get to the sec championship, even though it's not all equal. And they'll get there one way or another, they're going to get there, but it, it kind of like you're talking about the protocols. What I don't understand is why Nick Saban can test negative three times and go coach, but Mac Jones can't, or, you know, whoever would have been out for Missouri. I do think a player, a player that, that has a false positive could do that. Like a player that test positive will then get retested. And if it's deemed a false positive, because remember who simply tested negative, right, 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 right. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make it to sense, but I will say like the double standard for Saban thing, I don't think is legit because remember earlier this season when Drinkwood said, we're going to have 12 players out for contact tracing. And then like a few days later, it was seven because one of the tests was deemed a false positive. So that is happening for players, but it is, I mean, yeah, it's clearly, uh, I, I, I mean, you know, I don't think you'll find really anyone who will argue that the 14-day quarantine that you can't test out of is necessary. Actually, the Big Ten would argue they believe it should be 21. Well, that's true. That's a, yeah. that's a different deal. So Ghost Talk is asking, are you hearing anything about rescheduling the Georgia game December 19th? Question mark. And I, I mean, nobody's actually said it, right? Because they can't say it out loud until Georgia officially can't play in the SEC title game, which probably takes another two weeks. Um, you know, although I'm not sure George is going to play this weekend because apparently Mississippi State is absolutely up against it and, you know, very close to not being able to field a team. That's who George is supposed to play. So I've, I've had people across the league like, hey, is Missouri going to play? Because if Missouri doesn't play, can the team I cover maybe play that team and, and this and that? So, But December 19th at this point is what we expect for that game, right? Yeah, um, there's a chance like if Georgia, you know, loses another game elsewhere, maybe they could slide that game to December 12th and then have Missouri and Vanderbilt play on December 19th. And whoever Vanderbilt was supposed to play on the 19th, they play on the 12th because they had already had two games postponed. So, I mean, yeah, they will play some combination of Georgia and Vanderbilt on December 12th and 19th. Unless Mississippi State gets moved back or Arkansas. They won't yeah. play anybody probably other than Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, or Georgia. We just don't know exactly when. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, or maybe they'll just start playing games on like Thursday afternoon. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, be <laughs> I'd be all right with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. So uh, we'll, we'll get to kind of more of the things and, uh, you know, about Missouri and, and around the league here in a minute. But, but want to roll through a couple of the questions real quick. Ed is asking, with the NCAA extending the blackout, does that help or hurt Mizzou recruiting? And so for anybody that doesn't know what Ed is talking about, the NCAA has come out and said there is no in-person contact for recruiting in Division One through April 15th, which makes it what, Mitch, 13 months in a day, I think. I think it was like March 14th last year that they said everybody everything's off. Yeah, 13 months, more than a year for sure, um, okay. which is, yeah, it's wild. I mean, so, so yeah, ba- basically, yeah, there no no 
uh, prospects can visit campus unless it's on their own dime and they don't interact with staffs. No staffs can visit uh, can visit prospects in their homes or at their schools. So we're basically going to turn this show into you explain to me stupid rules about COVID in college sports. So we can have two teams on the field with two coaching staffs. We can have 11,700 people in the stands but God forbid one of them be a high school football player who might want to spend the next five years of his life in Columbia, Missouri, playing for Eli Drinkwitz, who he's never met other than on a Zoom call. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't get that one. Um, I, I could I could see the uh, the argument for no coaches being able to travel. Sure. Um, right. Like you can do a lot of the evaluation online and the Zoom calls and stuff like that. And like, I, I just, I don't, and, and also right. Ed Orgeron does not have to have a, seven different gumbos in various cities in Louisiana right. in one week. Right. Absolutely. And if you're a coach and you, you know, bring in a kid who you find out you misevaluated, well, that already happens every year. They just move on from them after a year. If for a college kid, the stakes are a bit higher, you know, it's not as easy. I mean, it's getting easier to transfer, but it's still not as easy. Um, and it's, it's a bigger decision. I mean, you know, coaches bring in 25 kids every year. Kids only pick one school. So I would, I, I, I don't understand, you know, people, I mean, it, it, I think, you know, if, personally if people are willing to to travel and make the trip you should have some way for them to at least see the the college in person and meet the coaching staff and, and ed's question was if it will help or hurt mizzou i just want to say i don't think it has oh, any yeah, effect because right. everybody is <laughs> yeah. dealing with this so i want to make sure yeah. we answer the question before we continue to rant about the stupidity of this because i look here's what's going to happen the ncaa is still going to have them sign letters of intent they're not going to say, oh, you don't have to sign one this year. Those letters of intent are binding for one year. Come December, what, I think it's like December 16th, something like that is the yeah, opening. Like, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's the opening of the early signing period for football. I promise that every football coach in Division One, yes, including Eli Drinkwitz, even though I know every program in the country is dirty and Missouri does everything the right way all the time, even Eli Drinkwitz is going to be telling kids, Yes, we want you to sign on December 16th. And if you don't, we cannot promise that you have a spot here on February 3rd or whatever signing day is. So they are telling 17-year-old kids who are coming to play for free, we are going to bind you to this school for a year, which you've never seen, where you've never met the players, never met the coaches, never met the kids in your class. You have to come, and I understand you can transfer without penalty probably come next year. I think they should be able to transfer that week. Like if Missouri is playing Tennessee on a Saturday and some freshman signed with Missouri in December, and this is week four and he doesn't really love it, he should be able to transfer and play for Tennessee against Missouri on Saturday if he <laughs> makes that decision on Tuesday. That's what they should do. That would be exciting. That'd be exciting for us. I mean, like, the, you know, just more storylines. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I do like that they're, you know, moving on to this, you know, one-time transfer exemption. I know it's going to make things a little bit crazy. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, expecting, you know, ex basically changing the, you know, going to a dead period, changing the way recruiting is done, but not changing the way signing happens is, just makes no sense to me. Right, and I want to reiterate, like, the NCAA has said for years and years and years, let's go through the line of all the, I didn't put an explicit warning on this show, so all the stuff <laughs> that the NCAA has said. We can't have games during finals week, right? Well, that's dumb. <laughs> We're playing games during yeah. finals week. Um, you know, we, we can't travel too much. We can't move these schedules around, all that. Well, that's all 
crap. That's we have to schedule games 18 years in advance. (laughs) Right. Um, you know, we want to make sure the kids get a break, right? I mean, you don't want to take Christmas and, uh, forget Christmas, man. They better be here to practice for the, uh, the cheese it bowl or whatever that's been renamed. Uh, so that's out the window. It's just all, they're not here for the student athlete. They've never been here for the student athlete. They're here. and, And this includes, the the athletic departments look i they do good things for kids i'm not saying they they don't but they're all here to cash their 43 million dollar check from the sec which means you get as many football games on tv as you can and hey if that means some kids you you know you tell them to hit the road and you tell some other kids yeah you got to sign without ever having seen campus they don't really care they care about having the games to put on tv to get the checks to pay to in the middle of a pandemic while every team in the country is screaming that they have no money to pay Will Muschamp $13 million to not work again. This is college yeah. sports, man. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you summed it up pretty well. Um, <laughs> like, I will I, say, I, yeah. I've I spent... Uh, you know, four years as a swimmer at Mizzou and, and we would go home for Christmas, but you know, Mizzou has like an insanely long winter break. It's like five weeks. So we would be back on campus for like three weeks after Christmas. And it was just like totally, you know, empty, cold and lonely and miserable. Like students are going to be gone from what, I guess, you know, this Friday until like mid January, like the student athletes have to stick around for that. That stinks. I'm actually not sure they're going to be gone though, because class is online. But if you told me when I was 20 years old, if you told me like campus is open, I mean, you can come back and live. You got to go to class online, (laughs) but you, you know what I'm doing? I'm coming back to class and I'm going to the bars (laughs) until they close at 10 o'clock. And then I'm going to parties. Because that's what college kids do. It would actually be a great time to be a college student in Columbia because, look, what do I want to do? Go home and spend two and a half months at my parents' house? Absolutely not. I would 100% come back to Columbia um, or to Oxford or Knoxville or wherever. Uh, It's all just... I don't know, man. And and I hate that this is what we talk about every week, right, is all these things. But it's just not really... A football season. There's just some games here. I mean, Saturday, Missouri's playing for the third time in 42 days. And, you know, we're, I, I do think I, I need to say this, too. Like, yes, we understand we make our living off college athletics. So saying that the whole thing is stupid is a little bit disingenuous, right? But, I mean, the whole thing is stupid. It's one of those deals. It, Taco Bell tastes pretty good. But if you ever knew somebody who worked at Taco Bell... That dude never wanted to eat Taco Bell, right? So the more you know about the way these things work, the the harder it is to actually be invested in it. And again, we're very happy people are invested in it. Like we we aren't doing a show or cashing checks if if they aren't invested, but some of the it, when there's this much hypocrisy and stupidity, at some point you got to call it out. And uh, it, like us doing it on this little show doesn't do a whole lot of good. <laughs> Dan Wetzel ripping the NCAA up one side and down the other on Yahoo Sports with his million followers or whatever, that does a little bit more good. Um, If you haven't read Dan's column, you should do it. Uh, Case wants to know, at some point, probably next football season, will they just rip the Band-Aid off because they can't handle the revenue and other losses? Um, So let's talk about the good news. The good news is there have been a couple of reports that there are – vaccines that preliminarily look pretty effective. And I don't want to get into a political discussion or 
decide whether this vaccine is actually going to cure COVID and it's all going to go away. But I think what it's going to do is give a lot of these places cover to say, okay, now we have something that can prevent it. So anyone who wants to come, we are welcoming you back with the understanding that you're going to take a risk. So assuming this, these vaccines come out and are somewhat readily available in the spring, like people are talking about, yes, next football season, I think you're going to have regular games and regular recruiting and I, I don't want to say capacity crowds, but at least much relaxed restrictions. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, all these athletic departments hope so, because, um, yeah, another year of this it would be maybe untenable for a lot oh, of places. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think it, at a certain point I, I would, you know, I, again, yeah, who knows what the vaccine situation is going to actually look like, how readily available it'll be, how effective it'll be. You know, if that means all of a sudden, you know, six feet doesn't isn't isn't a big deal anymore. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, at a certain point, you know, just for for finance sake that, that, you know, these athletic departments need to be able to fill, fill stadiums and, you know, play 12 games instead of 10. So we'll see. Um, because I, the next, step, I don't know how many could survive another year like this. I mean, the next step is the swim team goes away. The track team goes yeah. away. The tennis team goes away. The golf team goes away. Then you start getting soccer, volleyball. Then you get bigger and bigger sports go away. The, there's only one that we know will never go away. Right. Uh, maybe two. Yeah. Too, probably yeah yeah so and they will have an ncaa tournament in some form i mean they didn't accidentally trademark battle in the bubble and then bring up the idea of everyone <laughs> playing in indianapolis this was not a uh, i mean they make bad decisions on the fly but this was one they considered for a little bit so there's going to be an ncaa tournament in some form this year and it, I don't know if we're ever getting back to normal, normal. I assume at some point we will, but like we're getting back to a hell of a lot more normal than the last uh, two or three months have been. So one more on this topic, and then we've got a bunch of questions and comments that are about other subjects that we'll get to. But David said, uh, just kind of a comment, I generally thought the NCAA would have some sort of power reckoning this year. Same with the universities, I guess not. So I kind of went through the same thing that David did earlier this week where all along I've kind of said, nobody's probably getting fired. Like there might be a couple guys that get fired, but they were probably going to get fired anyway and all that. So this week in college athletics, Will Muschamp was paid $13 million to not work for, I mean, he hasn't been great. He basically was Barry Odom at South Carolina, you know, which is not great, but more insane that he got paid that much money than he got fired. Correct. Certainly. But not to the point where you think, in the middle of a pandemic and a financial crisis, it's worth $13 million. And like, we need to be clear. The university of South Carolina athletic department is not coughing up $13 million out of its budget. In all likelihood, they got a call from, you know, the owner of the caboose or whoever it is that said, look, I'm done with this crap. I want a good football team. Here's $13 million fire. Will Muschamp or here's a certain amount of it. But then at the same time in Wichita this, this week, Greg Marshall was paid $7.75 million with basically a note that said, please quit abusing college kids. Um, here's here's $7.75 million to do that. I, I really did think, and, and we've had this conversation with baseball forever, and it's never really changed, so I don't know why I thought it would change here. But I really thought there would be like a reset, and we wouldn't see these here, Eli Drinkwitz, you went 11-1 and one in one year as a head coach. Here's $24 million to be a coach. 
I thought it was going to reset. This pro- this week proved to me it's not going to reset. We're going to keep doing this. Yeah. I mean, I think you've seen kind of little hints of this all along, like, you know, all through the summer and everything. It was like, oh, man, this is so different. I wonder what the lasting effects are going to be. But then, like, you know, first week teams start playing like Kansas State loses their fans want to fire their coach. Iowa State loses their fans want to fire their coach. Like there's no there was no sense of like, oh, yeah, this was a normal season. It's just back to, you know, the emotions of, of college sports, which is what drives this whole thing. And and then, you know, like, you know, still seeing none of the leagues willing to to work together or I mean, there's been a little bit more flexibility in scheduling, but that just by necessity, I mean, like you're not seeing any flexibility when it comes to moving the postseason or changing the outdated bowl system. Um, you know, like a lo- some of the things that people theorized could could come out of this pandemic. No, I don't think it's happening. Yeah. And in case says, I don't mean to sound selfish, but I'm tired of this. I miss being able to have my soul ripped out by Mizzou. But like, it's a good point. Like I've said, and, and for those people who are into this season and like actually even more looking forward to it than they normally would. That's great, man. I'm glad that, that you've been able to find that. I've I kind of did that with the Masters this week. Like, I watched almost every shot. I sat and watched, like, 10 hours of golf on Friday, and it was great. Um, But as far as college football goes, I've just kind of had a hard time getting into it or putting as much into it as I have for the last 17 seasons because it just seems kind of fake, you know? I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't seem like a real thing to me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, just think like, you know, usually I feel like I'm able to think back like, oh yeah, when did this happen? It was however long ago and it's hard to keep track. And I, I, you know, we obviously get, you know, we follow the team very closely because it's our jobs. But I I did, I was talking to one person this weekend who was like, yeah, like it's just like kind of depressing. Like I like sat down today and turned on my TV thinking Mizzou was going to be on and they weren't. And then I like, you know, looks, tried to flip over to all these other football games and they all weren't on. It's just like, well, I guess I'm finding something else to do today. Like, it's just, it's hard to, I think it's hard to be invested. I mean, like San Diego state is playing at two 30 on CBS this weekend. That's, Okay, uh, whatever. I will not watch that game. Uh, all right, Danny Ragland says uh, that I've mentioned how underrated Marcus Denman was. What other players come to mind who were that underrated in football and basketball? Like, I've always called James Franklin the most underrated Missouri football player I think I've covered. Um, it, it, Denman in basketball kind of the same way because I think people understood how good he was but maybe didn't fully understand how good he was and how much he meant to those teams. Um, It's kind of hard the last few years really to like, since you've been covering them to identify underrated players because like, I mean, they haven't been that good. Right. I mean, how much can you underrate guys that are playing on a seven and 16? Yeah, exactly. When you think of underrated players, you tend to think back to, you know, the best best teams in recent memory, which is right. exactly what you just did. Mentioned the last time football was good and basketball was good. So, yeah, I don't know. Since uh, since I arrived at school, I saw the I saw the final year of James Franklin's career, but uh, there's no one like leaping to mind all of a sudden that uh, that I'm like, oh yeah, that person was way under. I mean, like yeah. the whole offensive line that 2013 and, and then into 2014 was was really good. And I think people didn't realize it at the time. But yeah, like that's, Justin that's as close as I'm coming up with. Yeah, right. I mean, like Lee Howard was underrated, but we're going back to 1989 <laughs> here, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's get some more underrated guys up here. I, I think that would help. Um, all right. Well, this is like Power Mizzou's favorite subject. Now the basketball season's here. And I want to be clear, K-Long, Neither of us has any idea what's going to happen to Kansas basketball. I mean, 
I don't know. Maybe Mitchell does because a member of his family pays closer attention to it than I do, I think, for his job. But, uh, it, like, look, Kansas is going to get in trouble. I mean, there's no question at this point. Kansas is going to get in trouble, and whenever they make a decision, and I don't think it's before this NCAA tournament, but the first NCAA tournament that happens after that decision, I'm pretty sure is going to happen without Kansas playing it. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's just ridiculous that it's taken so long. And I understand this was all complex, but it's like the NCAA has totally lost its ability to actually, like, I feel like really punish, yeah, obviously, the people involved and, and make a, any sort of a statement. Because now it's been it's been three full years, more than three full years since this stuff started. Bill Self's um, grandson uh, is going to get a show cause. Yeah, that said, I mean, yeah, they're going to get in trouble. I, I think I still think that it's going to be significant. I mean, every... Every punishment we've seen come out of this, you know, FBI stuff has been significant, although there have been very few. I think it, Oklahoma State might even actually be the only been one. punished yet. Oklahoma State got a one year okay. of probation That's for their assistance, like kind of doing nothing. Um, I mean, he took a bribe or something like that, but I, I, it wasn't like directly tied to any player who actually went there. So, like, clearly they're trying to, you know, dole out big punishments. I think Kansas will probably end up with, you know, at least one. My guess is maybe two years of probation. I mean, of of uh, you know postseason ban, several years of probation. The the big question, and I think what makes it a legitimate you know punishment, like something that really impacts the program for years to come, is if is how Bill Self is impacted. Mm -hmm. Like if it's enough to get him to leave, like you're like, wow, that program is maybe never going to be the same, or at least not immediately going to be the same. Um, if it's a year off of, from the postseason, like, yeah, that kind of sucks, but I don't think that will really like drastically Im inhibit recruiting to the point that, you know, that the Kansas isn't going to continue to be Kansas. So David says they punished Louisville pretty good. Is that his Louisville gotten there? Different, different deal, different okay. deal. That was the, uh, that was the uh, the escort scandal. Louisville still hasn't gotten theirs, I don't think, from the uh, from this one. You've really got to kind of parse when you're talking about Louisville scandal. Luckily, I know. Luckily, I know my my Louisville scandals pretty well because I can see, <laughs> I can understand the mix up. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit of a mess. So uh, Tucker wants to know uh, how transfers are going to impact the 2021 roster numbers, meaning. How do those count toward a yearly limit? And will taking more transfers be able to get them closer to 85? So I did a bunch of Googling about this, which is the way you answer everything these days, um, a few Obviously. weeks ago to answer a question in the mailbag. And I maybe, Mitch, you know if, if this is incorrect. Basically, the 25 is what is called, you can have 25 initial counters, which means a player who is on scholarship at a division one university for the first time. So I think transfers don't technically count against that 25. Now I don't know that you could bring in 15 of them in one year, but like there are ways to go over 25 and I'm not sure if transfers count. I, I kind of think they don't, but I could be wrong. Uh, see, my impression has always been that they do. And because I'm thinking back to times where like, you know, people would bring up like, oh, look, this person's available. And then like we'd maybe ask and they'd be like, right. you know, yeah. no, we, like we can't. We, we literally can't. We have 25. Um, I th so he, my understanding is this. Uh, you can date back some early enrollees. So, you know, every year some guys enroll early um, and, and start school in January and uh, go through spring ball. And if you didn't take 25 the year prior, you can date back 
if enough enroll early enough, however many that gets you to 25 the year before, then take 25 the next year. But that includes transfers. Okay. Um, but I mean, I could, I honestly, I could be wrong, but that's always I'm, been my impression. Well, and the, the problem with figuring this out is you have to know which class every kid counts in. And we don't exactly know that because yes. you have yes. to like some early enrollees count backwards, but some don't. And mm-hmm. only the people in charge really know that. And they don't tell us. Yes. So right. we, Missouri's going to sign more than 25 this year. I don't know how many more, but I'm pretty confident they will at some point go over 25 in this class. Um, Ed actually yes. has a really interesting question that I hadn't thought about. Are any are there any non-revenue sports to pay attention to this winter? And, and I mean, you know, women's basketball is is playing. They start, I think, the day after Thanksgiving. Um, we'll have some stuff up on them in the next few days. But uh, he says, is wrestling going to happen? Now that I hadn't thought about that, how can you possibly? I mean, given all these rules, how can you have wrestling? I guess you just you know you just test and then you hope that no one tests positive right after a match because if they did the person they wrestled is out too. <laughs> Unless they know. got pinned in like fourteen seconds. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, maybe if you um, really suck, you can wrestle every. Yeah. Maybe just by process of elimination, like everyone else is going to be out by contact tracing, and some dude that's like one in twenty six is going to win the NCAA title. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll just assume that by you know mid season of the wrestling season, which is like January, that everyone will have had it. I don't know. Uh, I, that seems like as good of a strategy as any. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard that it's off, but look, this is everything we're talking about, right? Um, so yeah, you can test negative on Thursday. And wrestle on Saturday, but that doesn't mean you're going to test negative on Tuesday. And if you test positive on Tuesday, maybe you had it on Saturday. And then, uh, so I don't see, unless they change rules, I don't really see how you could have wrestling. I mean, I don't know. Is like, like is the WWE still going on? Or are they still doing that every week? That's I, I have no idea. That's not. I know UFC is still going. I remember because they bought the island. Right. Um. Uh, I mean, I I think their deal is just like we're testing every day. So I'm going to go out on a limb, actually, and say WWE and UFC, like they don't really much care about the rules or probably about the virus. No, I think they basically were like, yeah, yeah, we're going to, yeah, we're going to buy our island. And, and you know, yeah, if you were, if you're the type of person who likes to watch, we might all have it. Right. If you're, if you're the type of person who likes to watch people beat club each other to death, you probably don't care about, you know, the the virus that much. Right. Yeah, um, I I didn't really expect this to turn into a pro wrestling show, but if you guys want to talk but also, about like, Jake the Snake Roberts or Coco Beware, I'm I'm good. Yeah, if the question was about non-revenue sports to watch in the winter. We always got to watch the swimming and diving team. I I don't go. know anything about them, but I was a member of that team, so that's my I, shout out. I do know they have a meet the next three days. Um, I, I yeah I know that I know it's normally annual, meet with like twelve teams and there are three teams. So. Yeah, the annual Thanksgiving invite. Yep. Yeah, usually a fast meet. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's see. Scrolling through. Okay. I we're catching up on these. So we were talking about golf. Tiger or Phil? Which one wins a major again first? Like I think after this weekend, I am firmly on the neither one of them ever wins another major team. I mean, yeah, that's the safer bet. Um, if one of them is going to, it's going to be Tiger. I mean, Phil, Phil is really good. Phil is, he shot he's one of irrelevant. the better 79s I've ever seen. <laughs> he's so irrelevant. I mean, it's it's fine. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I've disliked Phil less and less as as he stopped winning things because he's entertaining. But he's he. there's no chance. he. I don't think he can 
stay in it mentally long enough to to you know to win a, a four day major. Uh, Tiger probably stay can't in it mentally like, long enough when he was good to win a major. Yeah, that's true. Tiger, it would take unusual circumstances, but I mean, I would I firmly thought he never would again before last year's Masters. So I won't say it's totally impossible, but the safer bet would be neither. Right, it's got to kind of line up like. He might win some British Open where it's like seven thousand mile an hour wins and yeah, like he's that's, just that's smarter always, than everybody. That's always kind of what I've said if Tiger's gonna win another one, other than you know, Augusta, which you know we saw happen. I've I've said for a few years if he's gonna win one, it's gonna be yeah, one of those ridiculous British Opens that of course he's played before where you have to hit the low stinger every time. <laughs> so I know very few people got on here to listen to us talk about golf, but you know what, it's our shows and we like golf. So what's more incredible that tiger got a 10 on a par three or that he then birdied five of the next six holes it's definitely birdying five of the next six holes because i've gotten tens on par threes all the time but i've never birdied, birdied five holes out of six i mean if i get a 10 on a par three like i'm legit saying give me the beer i'm done i'm just gonna ride along and drink for the last five holes yeah I mean, I'm yeah, I'm I'm, def, I'm I'm definitely not all of a sudden going birdie. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I it yeah. I mean, probably really, it's more unlikely that you know a PGA Tour player would get a ten, but I'm I'm more impressed by the five birdies and six holes. Yeah, uh, Tucker says that wrestlers practice in pods only with a few kids. I mean, that's fine, but I still think like the match. I, I mean, I guess the match doesn't last fifteen minutes, but I don't really think you need like they're sweating directly on each other you know i mean yeah i don't know that it's yeah the 15, 15 the 15 minute rule might not apply for that versus like standing within six feet i don't know i'm not an expert here yeah so um all right so this one is clearly for mitch how much longer is drew lock gonna get well man um I mean, so yeah drew Locke's, season, right yes yes so just to, yeah to start off with he's absolutely starting every game he's healthy for the rest of this season it might not be this coming one apparently he's pretty banked up um like here's the thing with drew lock it's tough because he he hasn't played a lot you know he missed almost all of last year and he's missed games this year due to injury and he's definitely not hopeless you know you see the signs he's got a great arm he makes a few throws every game that are awesome he's a, he's a tough kid he's easy to like Th this but sounds like me talking cannot, about drew lock in 2016 100 percent. you you just you cannot be an nfl quarterback and throw twice as many interceptions as you do touchdowns i think he's thrown 10 interceptions and seven touchdowns this season like that's just not going to get it done um and and also the other thing is yeah like you know like i was saying like maybe that you chalk this up to a lack of experience but also like for those of us who have followed drew lock it's kind of some of the same stuff i mean he just he deals so poorly with pressure um, and, and that's no secret at this point like denver's offensive line is not good by any means but it's not i don't think it's it's not the worst in the league. And also at this point, it's like, it partially is on the quarterback to recognize this pressure and get the ball out of his hands. And he's not doing that. When pressure comes, he just tends to just either get sacked or throw something up off his back foot and, and it gets intercepted. And, you know, once, once defenses in the NFL kind of smell blood on that, it's, I think it's hard to, uh, to correct it, especially with a, you know, less than stellar offensive line. So I think pretty much the rest of this season for the Broncos is dedicated to finding out if he can be the guy. And if he is, you know, he probably leads them to like a, you know, seven and nine record and, and they, you know, try for a run again next year if if mm -hmm. if he's not that means they probably finish like you know four and 12 or something and they're drafting good enough to maybe take one of these quarterbacks so they're, I don't know. they're what three and six right now is that right yes something like that so here's their problem though there's no way they're gonna have a top two pick 
I mean, they're not going. Right. They can lose out. Oh, no. And yeah. they're not having a top this has two been, pick. This has been so, the Broncos every year. Yeah. Right. They, they end up between like pick five and 15. So Trevor Lawrence is gone. Justin Fields is gone. They're not getting yeah. those guys without trading, and they don't have enough to trade to do it unless they mortgage the future, and then you're drafting a quarterback and putting nothing around him. So, I, I mean, then you're in a situation where you're going, is Mac Jones or Kyle Trask or Trey Lance? We're giving up on Drew Locke already for that. I mean, maybe they will, but yeah. to me that seems kind of dumb. But but I think what's what's working against Drew right now is NFL teams have found out in the last few years that you don't win Super Bowls without an elite quarterback. I'm not a good quarterback, an elite quarterback. Like, wins the – I can't remember the last quarterback who you would say he's clearly not a top-10 quarterback in the league who won a Super Bowl, right? It's been – yeah, I mean, whenever maybe whenever yeah. Flacco won Maybe it Joe Flacco, and, and at the time, he was arguably a top-10 guy in the league. So the yeah. point is, you've got to have that guy. And in the, the NFL is a little bit different than college, right? College, you're going, hey, man, maybe he's not winning the national title, but we're 9-3, and three and that's really good. In the NFL, if you're not win, competing to win the Super Bowl, then it doesn't matter. Your best bet is actually to be 1-15 and 15 and go get that guy. Like, 7-9 and nine sucks in the NFL. Eight and eight sucks. Ten and six and making the playoffs but being no threat to do anything sucks. So you don't just have to be, yeah, he's a good solid starter. Like they have to see something out of him in the next year and a half that says he's elite. He's Justin Herbert level good because that's a kid who's younger than Drew who's playing better. He's Joe Burrow level good. Again, a kid who's younger than Drew who's playing better. He's Tua good. He's Kyler Murray. Yeah. I mean, these are young guys, year one, year two, who haven't started any more than Drew, who are out playing Drew. And you will not – I spent four years basically defending Drew Locke to Missouri fans. I love the kid. I want him to be great. I want him to go like 14-2 and two and lose in the AFC title game every year. That would be great. I'd love to see that. Um, but – I mean, it's it's getting close to time, man. I, I mean, if if you don't see something by the end of this year, I don't know that he loses the job, but he goes into next year on like a Will Muschamp level hot seat. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, like you mentioned, I was going to bring up too. Yeah, it's, you know, these days you don't have a lot of time to show that you're the guy at quarterback, especially as a second round pick. I mean, I mean, we've seen, you know, Dwayne Haskins, who was a top 15 pick already, you know, basically benched like, you know, you you right now people expect to know fast. And, and with what Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and, and guys like that are doing, like it definitely, it, it, you know, it's especially too. And you look around the Broncos division, like you're going to have to score points. Um, it's, it definitely puts a little bit more urgency on them to figure that out. I mean, Kyler Murray's in the MVP talk, you know, and, yeah. and he's, yeah. he came out the same year, uh, hot shoulders, which reminds me that we haven't heard from Bob Douglas yet tonight. I hope Bob has recovered from COVID and is okay. Um, but, uh, I always underrated Mitch Morse. I thought he was bad at football when he was yanked from the starting center position. That's one of the better stories actually is that Mitch Morse like couldn't snap the ball and it fully admit he couldn't snap the ball, but, uh, yeah, he's gone on to a heck of a pro career. And like, just as a guy who really likes Mitch, I hope he retires after this year. He's got another concussion and like, he got to quit playing football pretty soon, right? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's made a lot of money for himself too. At one point, I yeah. think he was the highest-paid center in NFL history. Yeah. So, yeah, good, good, good dude. So. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So this is this question is up our alley. Best wings in Como. Like it's clearly CJ's, right? Yeah. You're not gonna it's, it's CJ's, but it's CJ's. But the you know the issue is you never know if you can get in there. <laughs> and that is has nothing to do with COVID. No, no, that has to do with their normal hours. So I don't know what their hours even are right now. I I've been once and they were they happen to be they're open, open but, from one fifteen yeah. to two forty five Tuesdays, Thursdays, <laughs> and every other Saturday. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, but they're clearly the best. D Rose has really good wings. Uh, I was going to bring them up as as an alternate style. D Rose the the uh, smoked wings. Shiloh yeah. has really good wings. Speaking of local businesses, make sure to go five seven three tees dot com again. That's T E S for the spelling challenged. Uh, 573tees.com. They sponsor this show every Wednesday. Normally, it's a lot more Mizzou-centric, but hey, we're letting you guys guide it. We'll talk about whatever we want. We can just come out here, come here and hang out every Wednesday. Uh, not next week. Next week, it'll be Tuesday because I will be at the riveting Missouri Oral Roberts basketball game on Wednesday night. First sporting event I will have covered live in eight months and 18 days by that point. It was March 7th. I was at the basketball game against Alabama. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. pretty exciting. And then everything. You're going to get like yeah, some nachos I mean, or something. I really was just waiting for, just put Oral Roberts on the schedule and I'll show up again. Like if they had <laughs> played Oral Roberts in football, I 100% would have been there with the praying hand statue and everything. I would have, I would have done that. Um, yeah. All right. Drew Locke's arm plus Chase Daniels intangibles would be an insane come. I think just Drew Locke's arm plus Chase Daniels accuracy. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's Drew's problem is he's not very accurate. Yeah. yeah, he's not very accurate, and he does struggle, I think, with with pressure and with reading it before the snap and react react <clears throat> reacting to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Trav, I love the fact that sports fans still can have issues with singular play calls, like years and years later. Travis says, "Remember when Dooley had Drew Locker on the option with the game on the line against Oklahoma State?" I do because we were both there. Um, and yeah. I think we both had a very similar reaction to Travis, which is, what the hell are they doing? Yeah. I will say this is in no way a defense of that play call, but there was a moment this year that reminded me. I had like such a distinct, immediate deja vu flashback. It was when Mizzou was at the end of that like 97 play drive against Kentucky and they got down to fourth and one. And clearly there was some sort of busted play where Connor Baselak was trying to make a man miss on the edge on fourth and one and got tackled for a three yard loss. And I was like, I've seen that play before. <laughs> yes. And I think the one in the Liberty Bowl actually came closer to working than, uh, than yeah. the one against Kentucky did. But Yeah. Yeah, but Missouri was actually winning the Kentucky game at that point. Which right, was, uh, right. Different different situations. Which was a major change, just simply that they were beating Kentucky. Um, all right, so let's talk um, SEC football. Like Right now, there are, what, six games scheduled, I think? Or, well, For this weekend, yes. Okay, so nothing has been called off. One game's one game's been called off the A and M game. That right. So six still scheduled. How many of those mm-hmm. do we think get played? Um. Oh man, I don't know. We've made it pretty far into the week. Like usually by this point in the week, we've heard they're not. So I'm going to say five. I'll say one. There's enough that are close that one of them's going over the edge. But I, I'm I'm being optimistic, and I'm saying five. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot about Mississippi State, which um, indicates to me maybe Mississippi State, Georgia's in jeopardy. But, like, Vanderbilt is in jeopardy every week. But, again, I go back to I think the SEC has told these teams, like, you've got to give us a really good reason not to play. 
We don't have anywhere For to sure. put these games. And, and hey, we only have 52 guys doesn't really qualify as a really good reason. Now, hey, we're we would have to put a running back at quarterback. Okay, that's a good enough reason. Um, or, right. We'd have three defensive linemen, which is what Missouri was apparently down to right. last weekend. Like that qualifies. We yeah. have like we only have eleven guys, and they would both have to. They would all have to play both ways, and our quarterback <laughs> would have to punt. That qualifies, you know. But like, if you can get close to fifty-three, I think teams are being told we need you to play, and so I think yeah. the vast majority of them are are going to do that. Um, Ed. Wants to know who's the second best team in the SEC. Um, this is kind of weird because Texas A&M beat them head to head, but I actually think Florida is the second best team in the SEC. I do too. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I agree. It, you know, it wasn't on that one day, and that's what matters for the you know for the the, the I guess long term discussions maybe about comparing them head to head. Although I I don't really think they'll ever be compared head to head by the playoff committee because if Florida loses again, it's a two loss team. It's okay. probably not going getting in. But, but what about um, this? and if it wins? Yeah. What about if A and M goes nine and one? Florida yeah. gets to the SEC title game at nine and one, beats Alabama. So Florida's ten and one with a win over Alabama. Alabama's ten and one and. A&M sitting there nine and one with the only loss to Alabama. Like A&M's just then, screwed. I mean, Florida, Florida is number one out of those choices. Obviously a league champion beat Alabama head to head for the playoff picks. Uh, I, I still think Alabama's number two. Um, I mean, they would have beat, they beat A&M, A&M by, A&M like by 30. 28. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Florida I, A&M's best A&M's best chance is that Alabama runs the table and that there's no other good fourth team. Right. I'm I'm pretty clearly on board with anything that leaves A&M out of the playoffs. So I I would support <laughs> that. Um but yeah, I you know, it'll be we're going to get to this is going to be the weirdest playoff ever. I mean, look, we all know it's going to be Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama and somebody else anyway. So I don't really know why we're playing a whole season, but um does 6 and 0 Ohio State make the playoff like they're supposed to play more games than that, right? Although they did have one canceled this week. Well, they're 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 scheduled to play. They were scheduled to play seven in the regular season, and then one potential league title game, and they already lost one. They so. were only scheduled to play uh, seven. Why did I think they were scheduled to play? I eight? think so. No, you're right. It was eight. It was eight because Big Pac-12 was seven. I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, but yes, actually, if there's only one team, I think that can make it at six and zero, oh, and it is Ohio State. Maybe. We, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't put Wisconsin in, even if they run the table and beat Ohio State. I I don't know that I'd put Ohio State in at six and zero, but they they would make it. I mean, like if name. Ohio State's six and zero, their best win is what Wisconsin. If right? they both play in the league title oh, game, so they don't play in the regular season. No. So who's their Ohio best win? State the regular season would be like, in Indiana. Oh my god! Because like Michigan's <laughs> awful. Beating Michigan doesn't count. Somebody asked earlier. I meant to put it up Penn here. State. Yeah, Penn, Penn State, State also awful. Yeah, Penn State doesn't count. Michigan State doesn't count. So Ohio State's going to go six and zero with no good wins. Beat Ohio, beat Wisconsin in the title game, and they're going to get in the playoff because back in August people decided they were good, right? That's yeah, I mean probably. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. I mean they were good last year at least, but yeah. Can we just go back to the part where we were talking about how stupid college sports are? Because <laughs> that's where we're at again. Um, Somebody yeah. was asking about Harbaugh at Michigan. I, God, I don't know how he comes back. Like that, that's pretty poor. Yeah, I mean they're, they're a trade wreck. I didn't. I I watched like four plays of their game last weekend because it was already a blowout by the time I turned it on. But yeah, they're a train wreck. All right, Ed wants to know how many points you'd have to have to pick Florida to cover 
against Alabama. I'm not sure I need that many. Like, I think that might be a good game because I think Florida's going to score most times it gets the ball. I think that'll be a good game for sure. And I, I, I think this is just like kind of conservative nature talking, but if I, like I could, I see Florida losing by like, you know, six or something. Yes. But to actually pick them and like put money on them, I think I'd need like 13, 12 and a half, 13 and a half, something like that. I'm sure this is out there somewhere, but I don't really look at this type of stuff until the week of the game. Like what's the over under on Florida, Alabama? It's got to oh, be man. the 80s. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to say about 80. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I think I think it could, you know, very easily be a uh, you know, 49-42 type of deal. I mean, Florida scores like one out of every three plays, I think. That those yeah, Kyle I, mean, I made that number. Having an un, he's having an unbelievable season. He's thrown like I think it what like I don't know, 20 touchdowns or something like that. It's, no, it's no, more. more I think that. it's 26. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it, more no, like 26 touchdowns. He's thrown a touchdown like every four attempts or something like that. It's, it's more than Joe Burrow had through the same number of games last year in yes, yes, the yes. best quarterback season in the history of college football. By the way, they scored 63 points without uh, Kyle Pitts on the field last week. Uh, Ed brings up Ed says it better than I can. A perfect time to expand the playoff, but the NCAA hates the fans. That's, yeah, I mean, they, they. I mean, this sounds bad, but they don't really care about the fans as long as they turn on the TV. <laughs> yeah, don't care about the fans. Don't care about the players. Don't really care about the coaches. Uh, I don't know. They care about money, though. Um, so good for them. Yeah. I mean, like, look. I mean, high and mighty us. We. It's not like we do this for free, but you know, uh, whatever. Fair point. So, um, okay. So I guess. Next Tuesday night, we're going to do the show Tuesday next week because basketball season starts Wednesday. So it might be we might focus a little more on, on hoops next week and kind of what we expect out of the season. Um, football, uh, I don't know. They play South Carolina like South Carolina was awful before their coach got fired and half the team decided not to play anymore. So we would probably expect them to be more awful. It's not like Missouri is going in with a stacked deck here. But last I looked, they were favored by six and. It sounds weird, but Missouri should win this game. I'm not going to say it's disappointing or a big problem if they don't, but they should win this game. Yeah, I mean, I think this one pretty much just comes down to who wants to be there more. Um, both teams have and major issues. Missouri I mean, Missouri. Right. No, they have no reason not to. They should be, I would think, relatively eager to get back on the field, especially, you know, they've had a long layoff after a bad last game. Um, yeah, I mean, like, Missouri has apparently playing a the, working an offensive lineman, a backup offensive lineman, true freshman with the defensive line and training some wide receivers to play cornerback and has like 55 players and hasn't played in 21 days. And South Carolina doesn't have a coach and just had three of their four secondary starters opt out. And also apparently is down in the fifties with players. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's a mess on both sides. Um, but yes, I would favor Missouri, and I think you know, I think if they lose, it will be one of those things where either they came out and played horribly sloppy because they haven't played in a few weeks, or they just didn't you know match kind of the energy in the fight. Here's what I want to see in this game: like we're talking about guys moving positions and all that. I want mm-hmm. Akeel Byers to take a snap at quarterback. <laughs> that's what that's that's all I want out of this game. So here's what I want: I want a defensive line of Drake Heismeyer, Harrison Mevis. Z Corp Brooks and and give me a fourth. <laughs> um, I I want Z Corp Brooks to well Akil Byer said he could Z-Core play every position, but I want Z Corp to okay. play both ends. Yeah, Z Corp is a must. Just okay. great name. Yeah, great name. 
Um, and Mavis, Mavis, I'm telling you, if they get in a pinch, he could play defensive tackle. He's got the size. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, so let's just run through the other, uh, games in the sec. Like none of them matter anymore. I mean, the sec title game is virtually done. These games really are just for TV money anyway, which is all they were for to begin with. But, um, all right. So Florida and Vanderbilt. Okay. This is a better question. How many points would Vanderbilt have to get for you to pick Vanderbilt to cover in this game? Oh, geez. Um, (laughs) I'd say, let's say, I don't know, 40.5. Yeah, okay. See, I think I'd still pick Florida because I think, like, all these teams, these teams in the top 10, they understand we have to make statements the last six weeks. Yeah, you're season. probably right. And I Dan Mullen is, enough. Dan, like, Nick Saban, it's for as much as people think he's a dick and all that, like, he doesn't really humiliate teams. I think Dan no, Mullen not very will humiliate him. He's playing Lane Kiffin, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, he kind of needs to. You, you almost should, yeah, to, to build your playoff case. I don't know. Yeah, forty might not be enough, yeah. honestly. I mean, I if, yeah, if you gave me fifty points, I would take Vanderbilt, but I don't know if I'd really sure, feel good sure. about it. I'd take him at fifty. I might take him at like, yeah, at forty-five. I don't know. Forty-five is probably a better number yeah, than forty. I, I'd take him, but I, I would probably expect to lose my money. Ed says uh, he would need sixty-eight points. So. Wow. <laughs> Good so, number. Can you imagine Florida winning <laughs> 70 to three and Ed doesn't cover that would, that would be tragic. That, that'd be on SVP that night. Um, so yeah. LSU and Arkansas, this, I saw this Brett McMurphy tweeted this out last year in this game, LSU was favored by 39. They're favored mm-hmm. by two now, but at one point Arkansas was actually favored. Yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm in love with the name on the front of the Jersey. I know LSU sucks. Like I saw it firsthand, but I think LSU wins this game. Yeah, I mean, I think so, too. And I could, I don't know. They've got, like every team right now has issues. But, yeah, they just have more talent. Like, I don't know. Arkansas has been a fun little story. And they're clearly not a bad team. But if LSU plays with a reasonable amount of effort, I I think it should win that game. Can we agree, though, that, like this year has proven Chad Morris is never allowed to be a head coach in college football. Again. Oh yeah. I came in who, who hired. Oh yeah. And Auburn hired him to be an offensive coordinator and they're not exactly lighting the world on fire. Like at that, yeah, he, he needs to be banned from division <laughs> yeah. one football. Yeah. Ed wants to make me a bet, uh, over 45 points for Vandy. So like Ed, spread. Yeah. So Ed, I will, if I give you 45 points, you will take Vandy or this is working. I said, I tell you what, email me at powermazoo at gmail.com and tell me exactly which side of this bet you want and we'll work something out. Uh, so I appreciate you watching. I'll give you a free month for commenting and being here. And then the bet might, might get you a little bit more. Um, okay. So Kentucky at Alabama, like that's a terrible game. I don't even want to talk about that. They shouldn't even play. Yeah. That. Again, giant number. It's just how, uh, yeah. Like how many points does Alabama feel like scoring? Yeah. I did should say his whole team has COVID and they should not play that game. Um, Tennessee at Auburn. Tennessee is like that team that I, I hate watch them. Like I, I want to watch their games just to see them lose. And it's working. Yeah, it's yeah. going I mean, well. Yeah, they're they'll they're they've lost a lot. They've actually lost every game since they beat Missouri. <laughs> I'm you could not 
you could not convince me to take Tennessee right now. No way. I mean, they could win that game, but I, I would never, I would not pick it because I have not seen it. And Auburn is the team I root for to win every game because their fans get mad when they do right. it. You root, you root for them to win in fluky ways. Yeah, this is a perfect yeah. scenario. I want Tennessee. I want Auburn to beat Tennessee by like four points because Jeremy Pruitt does something so insanely stupid that he hands Auburn a win and then everybody is super pissed off. That will be the, yeah. I'll, and I'll, then neither, te- neither place fires their school, their coach. Cause they both owe them like 20 million plus dollars. Right. That would be like me sinking a 60 foot birdie putt. Like I would just walk off the course. I will quit watching sec football. If I can get that to happen on uh, right. Saturday evening, uh, Mississippi State, Georgia. I I pick COVID in this game, but if I have to yeah. pick an actual team, I think Georgia's going to win because Mississippi. I think State that seems bad. like a safe bet. Yeah. Mississippi State is a dumpster fire. Yeah. So, and that um, concludes our analysis. Yeah. So God, those are terrible. Every week is just even when they play games, they're terrible games. Winning kind of. Yeah. Games. I mean. Yeah, there's really only like four good teams in the SEC these days. Yeah, this was the most depressing hour we've spent in quite some time. I think we just complained about everything and about how bad it is. So appreciate you guys being here and uh, listening to us complain. So we'll do it again next week. Uh, Again, Tuesday night next week because they've got basketball on Wednesday night. And I'm actually going to go. And uh, Mitch is going to be on his way to Louisville to eat turkey and can you still have your flag football game or touch football game? Uh, that's actually TBD. I'm not sure we're going to have enough for that. Uh, so it's oh. looking doubtful. Okay. I just yeah. wondered if, would, if would be a shame. I, I'll I wondered update if the 40 if we play it, household was putting social distancing rules in place where you couldn't do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Immediate family would, will be mostly there, but I don't know that we'll have enough. Yeah. Enough, uh, cousins and such willing to gather to do that. That's TBD. Yeah. Well, we have depressed Tune in next week. We have depressed case with this hour of programming. So I apologize case. I hope you feel better. Um, go have a beer, get on five, seven, three T's.com, buy yourself a new t-shirt. It'll make you feel way better. They've got good t-shirts. Um, wear it around while you, uh, eat your Turkey and, Watch whatever football games might be on television next week. So appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, We'll do this every week. We'll continue through basketball season at least. And hopefully after that, who knows? Like we talked about a lot of non-football stuff. So if you guys just want to like come on and talk to us, I I don't know. We don't have anything else to do. So we'll do that. Um, Thanks for watching. We'll be back next week.